there are a couple of passages of Scripture that speak directly uh, to the purposes of nations. And um, when, when Sunday falls on the 4th of July, I think it's always good for us to look at those, um, at those um, verses. And I'm going to look at one particular one this morning, one passage in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And uh, before we start, let's pray again uh, for our country. Heavenly Father, uh, we are blessed beyond measure to be living in the United States of America. An imperfect country with imperfect people and imperfect leadership, with an imperfect past. But Father, a country that was founded in such a way and established on a document instead of on personalities that we have been able to survive all the years that this country has existed maintaining the freedoms of speech and of worship. We are so thankful for that this morning. We don't, we don't stop and thank you enough. It's such a great freedom, and, it, and it's so normal in our country that we don't even think of it often as a blessing from you. And so this morning we pause, and we do remember it as a blessing from you, and we pray for those who are in charge of our land now, our government, our current government, in all of its facets, including our president and vice president, we pray for them as they hold this responsibility, this duty to uphold the Constitution that has been the solid guiding force over these 200 plus years. And Father, we recognize that that Constitution is an answer to the prayers of many for generations before this country was ever dreamt of. And so we acknowledge this morning that we are here, that we are outside in this place freely worshiping you, certainly primarily and mostly because of what you've done for us in Christ. Because we know that we have brothers and sisters who are worshiping you right now in places where they can and will be persecuted for their faith and for their proclamation of your love and of your goodness and for their witness, for their possession of Bibles, for their gathering together in Jesus' name. We know that and we know that we could continue even if we didn't enjoy this freedom, but we do, Father. We do and we thank you. And we pray that you are glorified in us today as we recognize that this is your work that this is your freedom that we're enjoying. That you are the one who provided us every means by which we've come to this. The lives of men and women, of families, the fortunes of families, the sacrifices of millions. We acknowledge all of that as a gift from you. 
because you are the King of kings and Lord of lords. You are the Almighty God. You are our creator, our sustainer, our savior, and our provider. And so we give you thanks today and pray your blessing today on the United States of America and those who govern us now. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. The Apostle Paul to a younger minister, Timothy, who is going to have the opportunity throughout his career to lead many worship services as a pastor, as a church planner, as a missionary. He's going to have all kinds of opportunities to lead worship services. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, when you lead these worship services, make sure you do this. I urge then, urge is a strong ask. I urge then, first of all, that requests, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for everyone. Then he defines that everyone. For kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all men to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men, the testimony given in its proper time. Praise God. Here we see so much, so much of God's heart, even as Dan and Mark both in reading Psalm 33 this morning, remind us of of God's love for everybody, of his desire for all nations to recognize him, for all nations to praise him. But here specifically, Paul is telling Timothy, remember to pray for governments, to pray for countries. There wasn't a country yet that looked like this when Paul wrote this. This was a dream. This was a prayer request that that had never been fulfilled before. There was never a place just like this that he was describing. Do you recognize that place? One of those places, at least. There are other places like this, a little different. But we are the oldest and the longest living. Did you see that? Did you see what he was asking for as he, as he asked him to pray for kings and those in authority? That we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We're experiencing that right now in this very moment. You experienced it this morning. Some of you got up this morning and the first thing you did was praise God. And say a prayer. And then you got your Bible out. A Bible that you're allowed to own. You didn't have to dig it out of the, of the secret um, board under the, on the floor that you could lift up and pull it out of in case somebody came searching. You didn't do, none of you did that this morning. Some of you brought your Bibles with you this morning or your tablets or your, or your phones. And you didn't get any of those out of secret hiding places. Because this prayer that Paul asked Timothy, and, and he, did, he asked many other young ministers to pray this prayer, and they started praying it 2,000 years ago. And a little over 200 years ago, that prayer was answered in the United States of America. 
And I'm going to share my testimony of how that's impacted me. Because this country, founded with that document that I referred to in prayer, the Constitution and the Bill of Rights, it literally became a place, and it still is, that people want to come to. My ancestors wanted to come here. One, and, I, and I'll, I've split them up into the four, you know, into the four groups of my paternal grandmother and grandfather, my maternal grandmother and grandfather. Those four families came in four different waves of immigration, but the last three of them, in the 1820s and 1830s, primarily because of the Constitution and Bill of Rights that was being upheld in the United States. My paternal grandfather's family, especially the Rops, he had eight kids, seven of them sons, and they were all going to be conscripted into France's army. And they didn't believe that that was the right thing for them to do. Based on their understanding of the Word of God and their faith in Jesus Christ, they didn't think that their sons should fight in that army, so they came to the United States where they wouldn't have to. That's an amazing thing. We live in an amazing place, and many of you fought for our country, <coughs> and we thank you for your service. But there are some in our country, and you know some of them. There are some in our country who don't think that a Christian should fight in the or should be a part of the military. And our country, because we honor the freedom to worship God in the way that, and serve God in the way that we believe that we should, our country allows for that. That's an amazing thing. Our country, even in times of crisis, our country believes so much in that Constitution and that Bill of Rights. And I believe also so many of us believe in God that we're willing to let able-bodied men not serve in the military here. That's an unusual thing. Now, it's not always, you know, it's not always a, an agreeable thing. It's not always a peaceful thing. That bothers a lot of people. But our country, based on the Constitution and the Bill of Rights allows for that. As a result, my family came here. And I praise God for that. And in 1929, almost 100 years later, one of the churches that my family was a part of, the Prairie Street Mennonite Church in Elkhart, Indiana, they saw this section of Elkhart, this little town up in northern Indiana, they saw this section in Elkhart that wasn't receiving any gospel ministry. And so in 1929, they bought some property and they started a Sunday school in that kind of rough part of town. And that Sunday school over the next 20 years became a church where my mom and dad began to serve as a newlywed couple. And where I met the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And I came running out of that grave that day. Forty years after that Sunday school was established in 1929. I would say only in America, no, 
There are other places where churches are planted and those kind of things. But because the United States is a country that allows people to get together and say, hey, there's not a gospel witness in that neighborhood. Let's go put one there. As a matter of fact, we're here for that reason ourselves. And our founding churches are here for that reason. It's, it's a phenomenon that happens in the United States, and we praise God for it. And I share my testimony trying to get you to remember your own as the freedom of the United States relates to you and your family. In 1952, a high school basketball coach in Oklahoma started thinking about athletes were selling shaving cream and cigarettes, but many of them are Christians. Why aren't they given a platform to share the Christian life with the country? And that coach got together with some coaches and athletes and formed the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. An organization that 20 years later would be instrumental in my life, recognizing how to use the gifts and talents and interests that I have for the glory of God in my own high school, in my college, and in kids' lives all around the country through the camp ministry that we had. That took place because Don McLannan in Oklahoma had the right in the United States of America to have an idea and to risk everything and do something about it and get people together and and sports heroes in our country like Otto Graham and Branch Rickey started using their platform to share the gospel and then from there on hundreds and thousands of others did as well giving me that same opportunity as a young man to start sharing my faith to start preaching the word of god even before i was i was quite ready but given those opportunities around the same time a missionary who had been kicked out of china after ministering there for 20 years was invited by the first lady of taiwan which at that time was called the republic of china that was the the free china that was that was beaten in the in the civil war and and moved off to formosa what we now know as taiwan and madam Jiang kai-shek a christian first lady called that expelled missionary and said could you send me some people over here to reach our military with the gospel and living in California, a graduate of Biola University, Bible Institute of Los Angeles, he got some people together and started Formosa Crusades, then the Orient Crusades, then Overseas Crusades, and then they finally got the idea Crusades wasn't a good word. So now it's, I forget what it is, it's OC International. He went there, led many people in that military to Christ, and the next year she said, Dick, his name is Dick Hillis. Dick, bring me some basketball players. Our country loves basketball. Bring some basketball players over here, and let's see what can happen. And so an in, in a ministry called Venture for Victory, or Sports Ambassadors, was formed. An, a ministry that 26 years later I would be a part of as a 19-year-old college basketball player. On my team, the director of my team, Norm Cook, 
one of the players on that first team in 1952 that played against the Chinese national team and other teams throughout Taiwan. Reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was on one of those games on July 4th in 1978 when I had the opportunity after one of our games in the Philippines, before we got to Taiwan, in one of our games that day, I think we played three. This was an outdoor game. And after the game, there must have been 300 children at that game. And believe it or not, I did a children's message. I love children's messages. I was the tallest guy on both teams. And the, and the little Filipino kids thought that was pretty cool. And so they came up around and I shared the gospel with them. And Norm Cook, the guy who was on that first team back in 1952, who was a, was a very good basketball player in his own right, and he had hopes for my game. He thought I, he thought I had a shot. And all through our training camp on those first couple weeks of, of games, he was talking to me nothing but basketball, basketball, basketball. And after that day, he said to me, Dean, you're a preacher. Never talked to me about basketball the rest of the trip but gave me every opportunity to share the gospel at, the, at halftime and after every one of those games that we played in front of thousands of Filipinos, Chinese, in both, in both Taiwan and, and Hong Kong, changing my life forever because Dick Hillis had the freedom to put together a team to go to another country to reach their military, then to reach their, their country as a whole with the gospel. That means something to me, that they had the right to do that. You know, people can still serve the Lord in persecuted countries, but ministries like that aren't taking place. God had that kind of thing in mind when he told Paul to tell Timothy to pray for governments and all those in authorities to let people live quiet and peaceful lives in all godliness and holiness so that those kinds of ministries can spring forth and so that people all around the country and all around the world can come to know Christ. That's why he wanted that. That's why he wanted them to be praying that. That's what God's plan is for governments. He wants every government to be like ours. He wants every government to allow people to worship freely and to serve Christ freely and to proclaim the gospel. Many of them still don't. That's what we pray for them. We still, we still pray this prayer, even though it's been answered here. We still pray this prayer for those countries all around the world who aren't allowing these things. And we pray that prayer for us today that we would continue to protect those rights and privileges. Attacked as they have been in the past, they're under attack more now than ever. And so we pray and we vote and we write and we talk about the Constitution and about the Bill of Rights, those documents that our country is founded on. And we pray that God will continue to protect it so that we can continue to do what we're doing. We didn't have to get any governmental permission to have services this morning. I praise God for that. The churches in China that are meeting today that didn't want to do that because it's required in China 
for them to register every meeting, to turn in their, the scriptures they're going to use and turn in the prayers that they're going to pray and the, the message that's going to be preached and all those kinds of things, the songs they're going to sing. The, the people in China who don't trust that government for many reasons, who won't register, they're called the underground church. They're the ones that are meeting in houses. In some cases where they've got to tape up the, the cracks in the do, you know, between the doors and the floors and all those kind of things so that nobody can hear what's going on in those places. And China's not the only place. Lots of places like that. But we, we got no tape out here today other than some up here holding wires down. We got nothing to hide, no reason to hide it. No reason to be afraid of what we're singing, of what we're praying, of what we're preaching of what we're believing. So we praise God, and that's why I praise God for the United States of America. Our country is not perfect. It has many problems historically and presently. But we thank God. I thank God, and I think you're here to join me. We thank God that we live in this country where the opportunities that I've just described, and then as you think about it in your own family's history, in your own personal history, you think of the way that God has used the freedom to worship and the freedom to speak, how he's used that in your life, which puts you here this morning in this great position to know Christ and to have a, a, an eternity that is secure in him. And we thank God For the thousands, even hundreds of thousands, millions of Christians who have prayed for governments like Paul asked Timothy to lead his churches in prayer for. Because we are here this morning as an answer to those prayers. And we trust that there will be a great church started among the Mark. Can you help me out? The Rohingya people. In the refugees in Malaysia and some sandwiches that are being put together from money that you gave might be the first seed planted in starting a church among the Rohingya people. And who knows where it goes from there? We're going to find out in glory. But praise God, we get to do this stuff here freely. And not just influence our own families, our own community, but we get to, because of the freedoms that we enjoy, we get to influence the world. According to God's plan for the world. That's why he wants countries like the United States of America. And that's why we need to be using the freedoms that we have to be the country that he wants us to be so don't stop don't take it for granted take some time today or this week with your families and rehearse some of those things that your kids don't know anything about that happened in your family's life because it was in the united states of america talk about those things and praise god specifically for those things don't let those things be forgotten because there are so many reasons that we have to praise God for, for being here in the United States. And so we trust that today God is honored by our red, white, and blue. 
Oh, we don't believe that we're saved by being Americans. Remember that. We talked, to that a few, talked about that a few weeks ago. We're not saved because we're Americans. We're not saved because we wear the red, white, and blue, or we, we you know, unfurl the flag, or we, or we serve in the military of the United States. We're saved through faith in Jesus Christ by God's grace and his grace alone. But we have these privileges because we live here. Let's use them for his glory and see his glory and fame spread throughout our community, throughout our families, and throughout the world because of the freedom that we have in answer to the prayers of many. You may be here this morning or, or, or being a part of our service this morning through the internet and not know Christ personally. Remember, as we read from the, passage, from the scripture this morning, he says he desires, he wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all men. That includes you. He did not leave you without a provision of your own salvation. But you cannot earn it. You cannot do it. You cannot achieve it. You must receive it from him, the one who bought it for you, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one and only mediator between God and us. He's provided that for you. I encourage you. I urge you, as Paul urged Timothy to pray, I urge you as he urged, as the Apostle Paul urged the Corinthians, I urge you, be reconciled to God. Take advantage of this freedom. You're not going to be fired from your job because you receive Christ today. You're not going to be, your life is not going to be threatened or taken from you because you receive Christ today. You're going to have an opportunity to live life for the glory of God. Take advantage of that opportunity. Receive him today. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we can read these eternal truths freely in front of everybody on the internet where anyone can be listening or watching. We want to thank you that we can do it because you've answered the prayers of so many in giving our founding fathers the wisdom to put together the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. We thank you for those documents. We thank you for the way that if understood and used properly, correctly as they were intended to be used, that they will protect the freedoms that we have in answer to the prayers of many by your inspiration. And so we thank you for inspiring the, the call to prayer. And we thank you for the answer to that prayer here. We pray that you would continue to protect it. That we can continue to do these things and more. And to join with thousands of other local churches in serving you, in worshiping you, in praising you, in proclaiming the gospel, and spreading it not only to those in our own nation, but to those around the world. We pray, Father, for an awakening in our country that many in the United States would come to know Jesus, even on this Independence Day. 
that they would know true independence by being forgiven of their sins and given the gift of eternal life. Father, we pray that for any who are here this morning that haven't yet received Christ. They take advantage of that freedom. They take advantage of what Jesus has done and offered to them. That he will forgive every sin they've ever or ever will commit or commit. That he will give them the gift of eternal life. The assurance, the absolute certainty of eternal life in your glory. Give them the faith this morning to put their trust in Jesus. And Father, for those of us that have, may we grow stronger in our faith and our walk with you and make our witness fruitful for your glory. Even it has been, even it has, has been fruitful for so many in our country, make ours fruitful as well, that you would be glorified here and around the world as you deserve to be. In Jesus' name, amen.